0: Spirit, and uh, I want to deal with this question. Why are we who are dead in our sin brought back to life through the Spirit? Just want to start there, and this will continue over the next two weeks too, I think. Guys, one of the reasons you and I are brought back to life, and please understand that you've been brought back to life. If if God hadn't done that, we'd be dying in our sin, and we'd be... Uh, dead for the rest of eternity in terms of our separation from God what has happened is colossal we don't realize how colossal it is that you and I have been brought back to life from the dead you thought Lazarus was a miracle that is sheer power at work here power at work and great sacrifice where Jacob has been brought back from the dead and why have I been brought back from the dead one of the reasons I have been brought back from the dead by the spirit Uh, and please understand that uh, very clearly the Bible says, it is the spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead. Let me say that again. Romans chapter 8. It is the spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead. It is the spirit of God who has raised Wayne from the dead. It is the spirit of God that has raised Marcus from the dead. It is the spirit of God that has raised me from the dead. He has raised us from the dead. The whole idea of baptism where you come out of the water raised from the dead by the spirit of God. And why does the Spirit of God raise us from the dead? Yes, and the reason He does that is because He wants us to live the life of heaven here on earth. A people, not just individuals. Yes, He is life as Wayne is saying, we are brought back to life by the Spirit so that we may live the life of heaven on earth. So that we may live the life of heaven on earth. Live the life of heaven on earth. now uh, uh, by that I don't mean prosperity and uh, happy happy that's not what I mean by that but please understand that Eden was a place where man was supposed to have lived a certain way and God is restoring Eden and we'll talk about that some more later but the point is this guys like Philippi remember Philippi was in Greece we heard this some time ago Philippi was in Greece Philippi was a city in Greece And because they took um, um, Brutus and whoever else messed around with Caesar and released them back to the Romans when they hid in Philippi, the Romans conferred on Philippi Roman citizenship. And so Philippi was a city in Greece that had Roman citizenship and was a Roman colony. This is why Paul keeps talking about... uh, citizenship of heaven in the book of Philippians, because he knew the Philippians would get it. He keeps reminding them, hey, you're citizens of another kingdom, you're citizens of heaven. And the Philippians would have immediately got it, because they were the only city in Greece that had Roman citizenship and were a Roman colony. So in the middle of Greece was a Roman colony with Roman citizens. And... It is the same with us and the sooner we begin to let that marinate in us, the sooner we will again walk in awareness that one of the reasons the Spirit of God has raised a people is so that they can become a colony of heaven here on earth. A colony of heaven here on earth. A colony of heaven here on earth. Citizens of a kingdom here on earth who have a different nature, who have a different way of responding to things, and who ha- who display a hope that is ridiculous in a world that is dark. I'm not preaching, I'm teaching. Though it sounds preaching. The whole idea of the colony of heaven here on earth is so that a people can display a nature that is different from the kingdoms of the world, where there is no shaming other motorists, where our response to situations is different because we hail from a different kingdom and where our hope in dismal circumstances is different unlike the world and so this local body is a small part of that colony of heaven here on earth and remember we said this last week and this is very important the ultimate goal of salvation is to create a people for the name of god and for him to dwell in let me say that again the ultimate intent of salvation is to create a people of god who carry his name and in whom they can he can dwell that is the ultimate intent of salvation the ultimate intent of salvation is not to go to heaven the ultimate intent of salvation is to form a people who are called by his name and in whom he dwells. You get saved individually, but the intent of salvation is to become a body. First Corinthians 12, 13 We are baptized into a body. This is why sometimes we have to question, is it possible for you to continue being a Christian, sitting in front of a TV and watching a church service for the next 10 years? Is it even possible to exist unless there is a, a reason why you are shut in or Um, when you're not able to move around, is it even possible, I'm not saying it is not possible, I'm posing the question, is it even possible for a Christian to exist as an individual Christian for the next five, ten years? Biblically, it's not sound, but there may be reasons, okay? So I'm not saying a Christian who does not attend church is not a Christian, I'm saying the question needs to be asked though. So, as we said last time, and I just repeated it, God is not simply saving individuals and preparing them for heaven. The goal of salvation is creating a people for His name, among whom He can dwell. Creating a people for His name, among whom He can dwell. And 29 has got the hang of it. I was telling Eric two days ago that somehow this body has gotten the hang of the body. It's very hard to get the hang of it, but you have. Very little infighting here. And that's not because we are small numbers. You can have infighting in four people. Not very little. Almost no infighting here. I hardly hear of any infighting in this house. Sorry? Other than Kamal and me, yeah. No, that's <laughs> <a different thing. laughs> Guys, God's desire, uh, just listen to His desire. His desire is that in our life together, we will reproduce his life and character. His desire is that in our life together, and this is a desire for your small family unit too. His desire is that in your small family unit at home, you will live life together and you will let him reproduce his character even though you are very diverse. Even though you are very diverse. I mean, uh, take the Duak family or take the Cable family. Uh, or take uh, the Stobarts. each of them is so different from the other I mean, Ranita and Maurice and the two boys are so different from each other and yet the intent is that in that family unit life happens together not as individuals life happens together diversity in unity whereby the character of God may be reproduced that is God's desire for us so for us also as Acts 29 uh, and we talked about this in the last Bible study my, my giftings and graces and talents are completely different from Wayne's. I mean, I don't even like some of Wayne's talents and graces. He 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 likes digging trenches to make people come together or building fences which have absolutely no interest for me but that doesn't mean that because his talent or grace or gifting is different from mine that I do not allow it. One of the things that a pastor has to be careful of is on one hand the house is built around some of the graces present in his life. On the other hand his grace and giftings can become the plumb line by which the rest of the church has to operate and that is dangerous because now your diverse gifts are no longer given room. Yeah. Because Jacob does not like this I mean, let, let, let's take for instance, um, um, James is rapper Jay. That's his um, name for most of the week because he does a lot of rap all around the place. I dislike rap. So if he begins to rap, and because I don't like rap, I can shut him down because that's not my of tea. Yet God desperately wants diversity in the body. Because at the end of the day... Who gives him the skill to rap, and who gives me the skill to do what I do? Same God. Why doesn't the, my entire body look like an elbow? Same God. One body, diverse parts. And so, the whole idea, God's great desire for Acts twenty-nine, BB twenty-six or two hundred and sixty, is that guys may you live life together, and in living life together, may your diversity be be in, on display but may you be united, living life together and then allow me to reproduce my character in you so that first other churches may see it and then the city may see it. Deep desire God has and this is brought about by the Spirit. Why has the Spirit raised us from the dead? So that we may begin to live the life of heaven here on earth. Show them what it looks like. Not me, not you, us, us, us. This is why, guys, I keep going back to do not pull yourself out of the body dynamics of this church. I'm not talking about absence or presence. That award has been taken by the meds for years. I'm talking about more than that. <laughs> I mean, this year we didn't give out awards because the same people were winning it all the time. But I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. Guys. Here's another thing that I was really blessed by as I was preparing these notes. One of the other reasons that we have been brought back to life, or we have been redeemed by the Spirit of God, is so that, listen to this, or see it too, is so that we can live the life of the future, in the present so that we can live the life of the future in the present I'll explain that so that we can live the life of the future in the present see Jesus said the kingdom is already come and yet we know it has not fully come so we are living in the present yet we are citizens of a kingdom from the future that has already come please question me if you do not understand this Jesus said now that I have come and now that I live in you the kingdom of God is in you meaning in this body right now sitting under this roof there is a different kingdom operating a a different rule and reign operating let's assume that um, uh, what's his name? Mitch Romney had won the election which means as on December 12th would be the handover had he won the election so we would now be saying if you were part of the White House some of you would be packing up stuff if you were in the Obama administration and you were, you would be packing up stuff to move while Mitt Romney's people would be packing in stuff to bring in because a new rule or a new reign of a new president was coming in some of the rooms would have already been emptied and Mitch Romney stuff would have been there some of the administrative duties would have already begun changing and some would have left why because a new kingdom was coming but has it been completed no that will be completed on December 12th but would it have already started yes things would be changing everything would be changing it's a similar situation that has happened Christ said my kingdom has already come and this is true The moment he arrived and he died and rose again, a new kingdom was inaugurated. In Acts chapter 2, the power behind that kingdom came upon the earth, the spirit of God. And since then, we've been living in the present, but we are already planning for December 12th when the kingdom will be consummated. So in the present, yes, there are realities that we struggle with. But understand that one of the reasons the Spirit of God has raised us up is to live the life of the future or the kingdom that is to come already in the present. For example, you may have been hurt terribly by somebody and you are finding it hard to forgive. That is a reality of the present. You may be unwell in your body today. That is a reality of the present because we live in a fallen world. You may be someone who... Let me give you another example. Who are, are at present facing despair. or you, 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 Things are happening in your life. Things haven't changed and there is despair in your life. That is the reality of the present. But now look at what you're going to do. You're going to live the life of the future in the present. So here's how we live the life of the future in the present. You have hurt me. You have offended me. I'm finding it hard to forgive you. But because I belong to a different kingdom and a different king, whose very essence is forgiveness... I now stand in the present, hurt, offended, deeply grieved, and I exert a value of the kingdom that is to come, and I say, I forgive you. And the rest of the world watches and says, he comes from a different kingdom. I'm he, I'm sick in my body. And I know that sickness in this um, kingdom has different uh, ways to be solved. But I live by a future kingdom where I know that healing is perfect and I also know that allowance has been made for healing now in the present through the word of God and through the stripes laid on Christ's back so I begin to live by a principle, by the word, by the power, by the perfection of the future by bringing it into the present so that my body can be healed in the present and the world looks at me, the churches look at me, the city looks at me and says aha, something strange here, it's a different kingdom I'm in despair because I have been struggling through a situation for years and nothing has changed. It should break me, it should, it should be like a snuffed out wick or a broken reed. And yet every time there's a downturn, there is something that begins to bring up hope in me because of the spirit of life in me, the power giving spirit. And instead of despair and depression and despair, crumbling I keep rising up I keep rising up why because the spirit of life in me begins to give me life and I live by the life of the future in the present and the city watches, and the churches watch and they say different kingdom he belongs to begin to think like this begin to live like this because this is the reason you were saved so that God could form here on earth a people of God who are called by his name, meaning have his authority and character, and in whom he dwells, so that he can show the community of believers outside, and the city, that here stands a man, who operates by the drums, or or by the, uh, they follow the beat of a different drummer. Guys, if you receive the spirit at conversion, and I deliberately call it conversion because water turned into wine when you received Christ if you received the spirit of God at conversion then in your spirit divine perfection came in but in the rest of your life I suggest you divine infection came in you were divinely infected in your spirit you became divinely perfect but in the rest of you you have been divinely infected You've been divinely infected. Divine perfection set in your spirit, but divine infection affected the rest of your life. So think like this, and as I ask this question, see how your response is. Have you been invaded by the living God himself? Have you been invaded by the living God? The true answer is yes, but usually we walk around like we don't know it. But have you been invaded by the living God? Just think of that guys. The God of the universe has taken up a dwelling in a people. Have you been invaded by the living God? Have you been infected by the living God? Have you been made perfect in your spirit by the living God? Yes. Have you been invaded by the living God? The powerful life-giving spirit. Has He invaded my life? Yes. Do I know it? Do I walk in its awareness? Usually no. God invading this piece of earth Ha! Huh. have you been invaded in the living God by the person of his spirit now what is his desire his desire is to infect you thoroughly with God's likeness what is the intent of invasion what is the intent of invasion why did why did empires invade another empire one of the things that rome used to do well one of the things that is still done quite well in different parts of the world is they invade or infect a place with their own kind so that that nation becomes like them Uh, i go to a place in indonesia called manado manado has a large population of christians a large population of christians isn't it wonderful when people have to look for seats to f- sit in? It feels like, ah, oh, this is a church that's running out of space. We should go to a smaller space than this. It'll make us feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we, we need a bigger place. Why? Oh, it's overflowing. Yes, yeah. There are people sitting in the overflow room right now. Yes, yes. We need to set up a mic or so, speaker so that others can hear too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, Where was I? Yeah, in Manado, it's a very Christian part of Indonesia, which is the largest Muslim country in the world. And so here's what is being done now. Uh, Muslim families are being given um, perks, money, and incentive to go and settle in Manado. Why? So that Manado can be infected with Islam. It's, It's very sensible. So in the same manner... Understand that the reason God has invaded me or you and us is so that we may be infected with his character, with his nature, with his response to things, with his likeness. At the end of the day, that's the intent, to be made into his likeness. Any questions before we move on? If you have questions, write them down. We can deal with them at the end. So rise up, church. Rise up and embrace the fact that you have been invaded by the life-giving spirit, the, the, the God of the universe. Rise up and understand that you are infected. You're divinely infected, that you have been infected by God so that you may show the likeness of Him. Rise up, rise up. Maybe rise up in our little things in our driving over the bridge in our stopping at a signal in our treatment of our spouse in our in our attitude towards our children in in our work in everything rise up because for this reason we have been saved ha! what a relief to move salvation away from individual salvation and to make it a thing where we understand that the reason we are saved is to become a people of God who are called by His name and in whom He dwells what a relief The ultimate intent of God. This is why the body is so important. This is why I have to be concerned about you and you have to be concerned about me. This is why sin is no longer your business and sin is no longer my business, but has to be occasionally confronted with gentleness, so that we may escape the snare of the devil. This is why we have different gifts, which I hope we will practice during and after worship today, so that in the practicing of different gifts, we may edify and build up each other. so that a people of God called by His name, in whom His character, response, hope, and nature and likeness is displayed, will become evident to other churches and to the city. Let's not even go to the world. Let's start with the city. Okay, let's move on to the next bit. Righteous life and the power to live it. Um, We said last time, we said last time that the Spirit of God... <laughs> we said last time that the Spirit of God is um, deeply involved in salvation. The Spirit of God is deeply involved in salvation. Remember John 3, uh, 15, I think? Unless you be born of the water and of the Spirit, you cannot be born again. He's deeply involved in salvation. And uh, I want to just um, touch on this. Because every time we talk about this, this question comes up. Salvation, by the way, is both getting into the kingdom and then staying in the kingdom. It's getting into the kingdom and staying in the kingdom. Because often the question is asked, so was this person saved or was this person not saved? Can salvation be lost or salvation cannot be lost? Let's just state it this way for future reference at Acts 29. That salvation includes getting in and staying in. Salvation includes getting in and staying in and remember we talked about what it means to get saved to get saved first you have to do you remember guys to get saved you have to first hear after hearing you have to exert faith yeah first we have to hear one cannot be saved unless one hears after hear, you exert faith after faith you are converted after conversion the spirit of God who is involved in every stage of this process begins to give you life and what is your human response to the whole idea of being saved you choose to display it by baptism you declare that "Okay, I have heard I have now exerted faith I have changed and have been converted I have one master I know his spirit now dwells in me and gives me life but having known all this, my human response is to now get baptized and show that, aha, here I'm making a public declaration of my private belief. And in the, um, in Christendom all this time, it's only recently that we've had problems with this. Baptism was always seen as a part and parcel of salvation. It's not that one has to be baptized to be saved, but it's a natural, um, display of what has happened. Guys, so, here are the two things we need to do. We need to understand. To get saved is to be joined by the Spirit to the people or the body, people of God or the body. Because remember, we keep saying this, the ultimate intent of salvation is to form a people of God who are called by His name in whom He dwells. So to get saved is to be joined by the Spirit to the people of God. To get saved is to be joined to the people of God by the Spirit. To be saved, to be saved means to live the life of a saved person by the Spirit. To be saved is to live the life of a a saved person by the Spirit. So to, to get saved is to join, to get saved, is to join the people of God, or bo- people of God, by the Spirit. To be saved is to means to live the life of a saved person by the Spirit. So it's not enough to get saved. You now that you are saved, you have to live the life of a person who is saved by the Spirit. See, guys, one of the things we need to understand that in the in the Bible there is absolutely no concept of optional righteousness bible never talks about righteousness is optional once you get saved never never talks about that it's understood that one who is saved now begins to live like one who is saved in the bible there's no concept of oh i'm a justified sinner (coughs) it is we who have created this justified sinner in the bible there is only one who is justified there is no justified sinner There is no such thing as salvation in Christ that does not include practical righteousness. There is no such thing as salvation in Christ that does not include practical righteousness. And what do I mean by practical righteousness? Practical righteousness is when you come into alignment with the ways of God, the excellent um, virtues of God, the moral nature of God, this is practical righteousness. I am made righteous and perfect in my spirit forever. I am as holy as Christ in my spirit. But there is this whole element of practical righteousness where am I? are my ways aligned with the ways of God, with the moral virtues of God, with the excellent um, character of God. Am I continuously, increasingly being aligned with that? Because for a Christian, it is vital that there be an increase of this. Any questions on that before we move on? Why is righteousness important? Let's ask it this way: What's the purpose of righteousness? What's the purpose of practical righteousness? To be like him. The purpose of practical righteousness. What is the purpose? The purpose is, I've got to display his kabod or his glory or his excellence or his splendor or his moral nature or his character. The kabod, glory is all those words put together. The weight, (laughs) splendor, character, nature, power, uh, brilliance, magnificence of God all combined into this one word called the glory of God. What is the purpose of righteousness? The purpose of Jacob's practical righteousness is so that you may see, so that my family may see, so that the city may see and so that the world may see a display of the glory or the kabod or the nature or the character and the splendor of God through a simple human vessel that is is weak, fragile and um, infirm. That is the purpose. Why is it important to talk about these things, guys? Because some of you are drifting off and I say come back because you have the capacity to listen and to understand. It is a lie if you think you can't understand this. Because then Paul was writing all this stuff just for the heck of it. And the Spirit of God wasn't behind it. I'm not telling you anything new. This is stuff that Paul wrote to the churches for years, man. You have the capacity to understand this. Understanding gives us basis to stand on, guys. It gives us basis to stand on. So, the purpose of righteousness is to display the glory. Well, who is the pattern for our Righteousness. Jesus Christ, because he <laughs> modeled—he modeled everything that uh, God was. Christ Himself uh, was the likeness or the visible image of God, and now we are called to be the likeness. So, not only what is the purpose—the purpose is to display of the glory. Who is the pattern? Jesus Christ. What is the principle underlying righteousness? What is the principle that underlies practical righteousness? First Corinthians 13. The principle underlying practical righteousness is love. Love Godward and love man word. For example, guys, look at how easy it becomes if love becomes the essence. Huh? On one hand, when I like God more, I will begin to act, behave, be like him more. I mean, why has he changed in certain areas? Because he likes her. Because he likes her, he has changed. It's not out of fear it's not out of making the marriage work it is out of sheer liking that in some areas he has changed and as he likes her more he'll change in more areas and the same applies both ways same principle here guys Godward love allows me to change so that I take on his ways but look at the manward lover this is why guys just think of it if I love you then do I have to worry about the commandment do not kill Do I have to worry about the commandment? Do not covet what is yours. Suddenly, the Torah or the law is no longer required because I live under this new thing called love in my heart. Therefore, it says, once love is established, you are at liberty and the law no longer applies. Because why would I need you to tell me, don't kill, don't hate, don't covet when I love you? Because the moment I love you, I do not need to operate under law. Isn't that brilliant? This is why... I commend you that in Acts 29, we haven't had the need for rules. And the reason we haven't had the need for rules here is because you care sufficiently for each other so that policy does not have to be put in place so that you behave a certain way. I commend you on that. It's a hard thing to get, guys. Don't think this is easy. You you have, have no idea what you have become in that sense same thing with God man once you love you don't have to tell somebody uh, keep the sabbath holy you don't have to tell somebody do not worship idols in the Torah that was a problem the people followed the rules but they forgot love and yet God had revealed himself as father very early in Genesis, in Deuteronomy, you see the word father being used of him. Only he says, I'm a father to you. They would never turn and say that to him. But the idea of the father was present as early as Genesis and Deuteronomy. But the point is that he gave them the rule, do not worship idols. But if you're in love with God, do you need that rule? No, because you would not worship anything else but the true living God. So, what is the principle underlying righteousness? Very simple, guys. The essence of God, which is love. Both man-word and God-word. Cultivate it, because it takes care of everything else. Isn't that going to be awesome? As you, as you cultivate, and we'll talk about the fruit of the Spirit when we, and by the way, that, those fruit that are mentioned in Galatians are not exhaustive. God has far greater characters than those nine things but that's just part of it but just imagine as i begin to develop love in my heart towards you who i see and towards the guy in the lane next to me who i don't see who's cutting me off what happens is i do not need to live by law anymore because i will not i will not enter into rage on the road <laughs> because of this beautiful essence of God that the Holy Spirit has already shed in my heart. Romans 5.5 This is why the Torah no longer applies. This is why Jesus said it simply. Do you understand now why he calls it the golden law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Takes care. And it says, In this is the sum of all the law and the prophets. It's beautiful, man. I, I think so. yeah. so that is the underlying principle. And who is the power of the power or source of righteousness? The Holy Spirit? What is the purpose to display his glory? Who is the pattern, Jesus Christ? What is the underlying principle? Love. And who is the power or the source of righteousness? the Holy Spirit. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's the Spirit of God who brings the life of Christ in me. The Spirit of God brings the life of Christ into me and now I begin to have the power to be the way I need to be. I'm so glad we're talking about the Holy Spirit because I've missed out on these truths for very long. Guys, in the New Testament, there is never a concept of Oh, I'm going through a deep internal struggle and the flesh is always winning out. Never hear of that in the New Testament. The, the New Testament knows nothing about an internal struggle within me in which the flesh is continuously proving to be the greater power than the Spirit of God. Something is strangely wrong in that picture. The New Testament knows nothing of an internal struggle within me. I'm not saying internal struggles are not real, they are present, I have had them umpteen times in my life but the New Testament does not give credibility to an internal struggle in Jacob's life where always the flesh wins over the spirit something is wrong there life giving spirit invaded by God himself, infected divinely and yet the flesh wins every time the New Testament does not give room for that, Paul never says that This does not mean that God is saying, oh, you'll be perfect throughout your life, Jacob. No. Actually, in Galatians 6, 1 says, if any of you is overtaken by a fault, then let the rest of the body help in lifting them up. So God knows that even though I'm perfect in my spirit, that I will be overtaken by faults. So we're not talking about perfectionism here. And if I'm overtaken by faults, there is this amazing thing of, Forgiveness, that is available. But for a Christian to be sold out to sin, it's incompatible with the life of the Spirit. Let me say that again. For a Christian to be sold out to sin is not possible. It is incompatible. Where um, the flesh continually proves to be greater than the Spirit of God, that is incompatible with the life of a Spirit person. In fact, if the spirit of God is resident in me, guys, become aware of this so that next time you have an internal struggle you're aware you're aware that this is a lie. If you are a spirit person or if we are a spirit people, know this that you will first have a will to do the good pleasure of God, and two you will be empowered by the spirit of God to fulfil that desire you have. Both. And you'll ask me, so how come? We'll talk about that. Therefore, increasing righteousness is natural, should be natural to someone who has the Spirit of God in him. Increasing righteous behavior, increasingly righteous behavior, should be natural to someone who has a Spirit in him. Because at the end of the day, it's the outcome of the life of the Spirit in me. Um, if vain spirit came and lived in me, it is natural for me to be able to um, be very handy with doing things. It's natural. If my spirit came into you, some of the things I do well will be very natural for you. So it is natural for a Christian to increase in righteousness pardon because the fruit of the spirit is basically the righteous nature of God being displayed through you why is the fruit coming because the spirit of God the life giving spirit dwells in you yeah the display of Christ as a people so that like we were saying earlier the city and other churches and the world will see that we are people who belong to a different kingdom. Than we evangelizing them about the of Agreed. Agreed. Which is the whole idea of salvation. Yeah. Us being made into a people of God in whom He dwells and through whom His glory can be seen. Yeah. yeah. It's to benefit other others. Others. Yeah. That's why in we've we got to move away from this individual brilliance. It's a people. Yeah. The same thing with a farmer. Yeah. It's to benefit other people. Yeah. I mean, it's all the same. Yeah. The display of fruit in my life now makes evident that there is a God and there is a kingdom here on earth. How will they see it? This is why Paul says, uh, you, have become our, you have become epistles, or you have become letters, not written with ink, but written with, uh, not written with, and written on stone, but written with ink on hearts of flesh, meaning to display letters of God to the world. It has to be to a level of it's uh, strategiousness. Yeah. So when you go out yeah. But the, um, um, oh, Psalm 1 and you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bear its fruit in every season its leaves shall not wither and the, w- w- what I'm trying to say is guys be aware that we are called to increasing righteousness, increasing practical righteousness and it, sh- it is natural for a people in whom the life giving spirit dwells to begin to display it because there uh, the Bible does not have Um, uh, verses that say uh, thou art a justified sinner or uh, righteousness is optional doesn't say that it it acknowledges that we will have faults and we will shortfall and therefore God provides forgiveness but sold out to sin as a spirit people is not possible this is why Paul grieves and cannot understand how a church can tolerate a man living with his stepmom He says, shame on you. He doesn't attack the individual believer first. He goes after the body saying, don't you know that you are a people who have been called by the name of God and are supposed to display his character. How can you tolerate this? Guys, I'm sorry I'm saying it again, but I commend you on what you have become because North American Christianity is highly individualized and independent. And you have defied that. The fruit of the Spirit is nothing else than the Spirit producing in me the righteousness of God. Ah, Tasty, tasty. The fruit of the Spirit is nothing else. The fruit of the Spirit is nothing else than the Spirit of God producing in me the righteousness of God in practical ways in practical ways may I say this too guys the spirit empowers all alike everybody here who is a spirit man meaning who is born again is all of us are empowered alike by the spirit of God so really we should stop Dividing ourselves into spiritual Christians and carnal Christians. <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether Paul uses the word carnal Christians, but I no, yeah. I think mean, we've come up with this whole idea of when you are like this, you're spiritual; when you're like this, you're carnal. I understand the reality of it, but we need to understand that all of us have been empowered alike. It's not like some of us have gotten more or some of us have gotten less. So let's conclude. What is my role then? We've talked about what the Spirit of God can do. So what is my role in this? What is my role? What is my role? How do I now work with this that I know so that I can increase in my righteousness? First, guys cease focusing on your struggles as much as you do cease focusing on your struggles as much as you do Uh, it's very hard to ignore them I'm talking about struggles with sin struggle with circumstances cease focusing as much as you do on your struggles because when we go that route we barely are able to see Jesus Christ in the struggle because our focus is on the struggle you barely see Christ and there is hardly any chance that you will have any degree of confidence in the work of the spirit in your life when your focus is so intently on the struggle Peter was so so beaten up by his failure and his denial that he barely had sight of who Christ is he stands and says I want to go fishing anybody coming with me going fishing uh, Christ had to literally restore him, stand at the shore and make himself evident so that this man's eyes may be opened again. Sometimes one of the ways we end up, some one of the requirements to be uh, in koinonia with the spirit or in, uh, to participate in the life of the spirit is to abstain from or cease from focusing so intently on our very real struggles. Because when that focus is so intent, it is bar- we, we can barely distinguish Christ standing on the beach. No, this is about um, moving our face away from our intense struggles that we go through so that Christ is evident. Otherwise, Christ disappears in the struggle. Yeah, you do. Like I said, we can't ignore it. It's very real. But in the midst of it, I've got to stop beating myself up over my failure, over my losing to sin multiple times and... Focus on He who is forgiver, redeemer, ransomer, rescuer, and focus on Him who is life giving spirit in me, so that for once I can take my eyes off the struggle I'm having with sin and look at Him who, to begin with, is the only one who's capable of rescuing me. And when we focus on our struggles, another thing happens, guys. Because we don't find much success, we start blaming God for not coming through. That too happens. That too happens. You start blaming God. Second, so cease from focusing only. I remember a man coming up to me at Acts 29. He he just came that one Sunday. And he came up to me and as he's coming up to me, the the Lord is saying uh, to me, he's going to come up and he's going to tell you that he has a problem with smoking and that it is impossible for him to get out of it. He's tried and it's just a sin that he's struggling with for so long that it is impossible and he, his life is um, completely shattered because of his impo- uh, inability to get through it. And when he comes, before he even begins to tell him that, tell him that I'm not concerned about his smoking right now, I've got other things I want to do with his life. And so he comes up to me and he's standing there and he says, you know, Jacob, I have a problem with... And I said, God is not concerned with your smoking right now. And this is what he wants to say to you. And that man was just weeping. Why? Because for the last 6-7 years, all he had focused on is his inability to be a successful Christian because he has been completely consumed with smoking. Now this does not for a second mean that God is saying, go ahead, smoke your way to heaven. Not saying that at all. But the point is, the focus was so intent on the sin that Christ could not be distinguished, even when he was standing on the beach and saying, son, do you have any fish? The second one is abstain from sin. Oh, that's easy to say, Jacob. Abstain from sin. How? Abstain from sin. How? First, which we always talk about here, abstain from sin. The first, and these are very good ways to abstain from sin. First, love the father. How? By letting the father love you so that you can love him back. First, love the Father. That's one of the best ways. I won't even go into that because we have repeated it almost every second week in this church. And yet I'm repeating it again. The way I give up sin is when I like something else more. The way I will give up sin is when I like my Father more. How can I like my Father more? By recognizing how much the Father likes me. For He first loved me and my heart starts running after Him. And I'm able to let go of the things. How do you know that Jacob is in the pursuit of God? You will know that Jacob is in the pursuit of God when you look behind him and you see a trail of old things behind him. That's how you know the pursuit of God. Old habits, old ways of speaking, old ways of thinking. You see like a like a trail of debris. That is how you'll know Jacob is pursuing God. how he loves the wife is to stop doing the internet. So how does the guy keep smoking? That's what he's got to stop the smoking to love the God. So how do you not focus on the smoking? Righteousness is not a requirement for salvation. It is the outcome of salvation and the work of the Spirit. So, uh, and uh, I'll talk about that in the third point. Sometimes the focus is so intent on the sin that it is impossible to see Jesus. So one of the things I need to do at times is to be helpless and heavily dependent on the work of the Spirit of God to change a thing in my life. Guys, I had a severe problem with heroin and with marijuana. For years, for years, it was impossible to come out of it. And then helplessly, heavily dependent on the sheer power of the life-giving Spirit changed me in, in five minutes for the rest of my life. Good point. Sometimes sin, the the, uh, the enemy uses sin to 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 completely drive you into um, a place where you don't even reach out to Jesus because you're so ashamed. You're so ashamed, uh, guys. One of the things the Bible does, and we have to realize, is we live in a society where we sometimes like black and white separate. Many things the Bible holds in tension, and it holds them in tension happily holds them in tension happily in the sense righteous there is nothing called optional righteousness and yet as even though there is nothing called optional righteousness very clearly the Bible says and if you sin there is one who forgives on one hand it says and um, uh, if you are born again you can enter the kingdom of God on the other hand it says anyone who does these these and these things will not inherit the kingdom of God it is not actually one thing against the other both are held in tension it's like a aircraft that is flying two things are working in happy tension and thank God it's happy tension when it's not you feel air pockets so the happy tension is there is this beautiful principle called aerodynamics at work and there is an amazing principle called gravity at work otherwise we would never land and both are held in happy tension and when any time the tension is not happy strange things happen so one of the prayers you pray when you board an aircraft is father keep these two laws in happy tension (laughs) (laughs) the bible has many of these things I hold them in happy tension not in they are not contradictory they are not contradictory so abstain from sin one by loving the father two uh, understand that the power of the spirit is pres- the power of the spirit is fully capable to help you overcome. Uh, you may not think so. You may not have experienced it. You may not feel so. But it's still the truth. power of the spirit is fully capable to help you overcome, this is what was happening when I was shaming people on the road in my driving, I I began to say father three times in two days this is getting nasty lord I need now help to begin to overcome this and that's a very small thing, greater things pornography, masturbation um, um, disharmony, strife uh, lying uh, rage cheating Uh, there's no limit to what can not be overcome by the life-giving spirit the same spirit who raised christ from the dead a sin a sin-bearing christ that should not rise because he rose because he didn't sin but a sin-bearing christ was raised from the dead the life-giving spirit who brought order to a chaotic world the same life giving spirit is in me. Surely he has power to change some of the my struggles of the present reality that I live in. So the first one is love the Father, first John four eighteen, which is tremendous. Two, the power of the spirit that is at work in me. Three <laughs> just cry out to him, man. Just cry out to Him. Beseech Him. That's part, yeah, just beseech Him. I, 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 I mean, when I had sins in my life that wouldn't let me go, I'd sometimes cry out to Him saying, Oh God, I can't continue in this. You've got to help me out of this. Four, this is uh, like um, Bob Newhart. It's very flee. very clearly Paul says flee youthful lust meaning uh, d- d- don't wait for the Holy Spirit to help you with certain things guys just flee like Bob Newhart says stop it yeah flee flee is not a, a, gen- a gentle sauntering as in see you later no flee like out of here <laughs> Next one. Feeding. What you eat, you will become. What you eat, you will become. Adi, there's someone at the door. I don't know whether they thought it's coffee. What you eat, you will become. What do I feed on? I'm finding this so helpful in my life to feed on the right things, man. It it just takes away the uh, tendency to fall into the same um, failings that I used to fall into, just by eating, by, by feeding my face correctly. Just feed yourself well. Some of us need to take a break from television. Some of us need to take a break from places we go to, where there are situations that feed us. Feed yourself well. Feed yourself well. It's so helpful. So helpful. Next one. Seek the help of believers. Seek Seek the help of the body. 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 Guys, observing some of these ways, these are these are like duh ways. They, these are it's not rocket science. It's very simple. I miss. I spaced out. I missed the whole flea part. What's it called? Flea is as in um, when when I when I, when I know that something is not going to be helpful. That is a sin, um, honeypot or a trap. Run. <laughs> Don't even hang around there. Joseph ran for his life. Ran for his life. Don't go to the edge of the um, um, rooftop to see how far you will fall because that's not very helpful on a rainy day. Just flee. Don't go towards the edge. Yeah, that day don't go on the roof. Is flirting a problem in your life. Flee every time you see a woman you want to uh, flirt with. Hold back your words so that you don't speak them. Because most Christian men flirt with their words, by the way. They don't flirt with actions because they're too uh, godly for that. They flirt with their words. Is television a problem? Flee! Don't watch it after 11 in the night. Get your news the next morning. Or give the television to one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Not the flat screen. Yeah. If you're giving it away, don't give us any of those old box TVs. Give, give us your flat screens, your plasmas. <laughs> Friends, Romans, countrymen, bring me your <laughs> plasmas and your LCDs. Is, is that a must <laughs> say on the Lord? <laughs> no. We shouldn't give someone else the temptations Yeah, we can't bet. So we have to suffer that? Listen to this tape, Miss wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, someone was going to say something? Go ahead. In regards to the last point Yeah. But it goes in, it asks the hand, and the hand is not gifted with the ability to smell. But we say, like, oh, the body cannot help us, and we stop seeking help from the body. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I'm hoping that we'll be able to come to a place where uh, different gifts that exist can can take care of different needs, Uh, instead of the pastor or one or two being the main and it it, it might need some training and maturity but surely that is the way we are supposed to function so yeah that's why I didn't say seek the help of the pastor seek the help of the body because in the body there will be gifts and graces that are necessary for us to get healed or get whole get whole I love the word whole you know I was just reading somewhere God dwells in wholeness He dwells in well-being And that same God now as, what's your name? Shantal said, dwells in you. The same God of wholeness and well-being dwells in you. He dwells in wholeness. It's his great desire to part with that wholeness and have it bestowed on you too. So guys, be helplessly dependent on the Spirit for change. I can do nothing myself. Be helplessly and heavily dependent on Him for change. Remember, he is the agent that brings about that change. Takes the chaos of your life, hovers over it and changes it. Be helplessly and heavily dependent. Collaborate with him. huh? Collaborate with him. Let, him. let him reproduce the life of Christ in you. Let him empower you. And the other thing is put one foot in front of the other. This is what walking with the Spirit is. Putting one foot in front of the other. Because it may not happen in a day, but surely put one foot in the front of the other what happens is because nothing has transformed immediately we stop and we are like this so it looks like we are all ready to go but we have stopped moving I tell this to my sister often when she says when will this change and I will say Reba keep putting one foot forward keep putting one foot forward keep walking one foot forward at a time keep moving surely the intent of God is to make you into His likeness Surely, you want to accomplish a lot of that before you leave the earth. Surely, you don't want all the transformation to take place in heaven. What fun is that? Here on earth, there everybody will be perfect. You won't even be known as perfect. I'm just kidding. The point is, here on earth, be transformed. Let them taste wine here. Again, I'm not recommending that you start drinking. It's just a statement. And finally, learn how to, not finally, the second finally, learn how to let the Spirit lead you. Goes back to Jawad's initial question. How do we deal with uh, the Spirit of God bringing out plans? And go back to the answer I gave him. And in that, be led by the Spirit. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Learn, learn. Again, how will I learn? One step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. Learn. God is not interested in time. He is interested in growth. Fourteen days I have been asking him now. Father, would you please let me know how I should travel? He has not told me yet. Learn. Step by step, Jacob. Learn. Ask him this morning. Ask him this evening. And be happy in your asking and your hearing. Not a disgruntled um, grouch saying, how long before you answer? No. Happy in your hearing and your learning. One step at a time. last point guys be continually saturated in the spirit Uh, and uh, uh, this is what we deal with next time, the bible talks about fan into flames be filled be continually saturated fan into flames be filled, so on one hand the presence of the spirit in your life is established but the presence of your spirit the presence of the spirit does not automatically ensure a quickened fervent spiritual life let me say that again on one hand the presence of the spirit of god in your life is established but the presence of the spirit of god in your life does not mean that you will have therefore uh, quick and fervent spiritual life because the Bible keeps talking about being filled with and it keeps uh, a couple of occasions talks about being fanned into fan or fan into flames or stir up and so next week we'll talk about how is it that I can, I can walk in continual ongoing saturation in the Holy Spirit again concrete ways of how can we do that We'll talk about that next week. So try to be here, because the CD doesn't have the same effect. So try to be here. If you can't, I understand. Can I have the musicians up, please?